Till the Whole World Hears is our podcast of mission stories from across the globe, told by members in WEC UK and Ireland. Welcome and thanks for joining us. I am your host, Martha, and together we'll learn more about what mission can look like. It can be challenging to live for Christ in the day-to-day, but hearing from others can inspire us to persevere exactly where God has placed us. Thank you for joining, and I hope you enjoy hearing these conversations. Thank you, Joe, for joining me today. Where was it that you went on mission? I was in West Africa, and when I went out there, it was called Upper Volta, but it is now called Burkina Faso. When was it? I went in 1970. And I came home in 1992. What was your journey into mission? Well, um, I lived in Chatham in Kent and I went to, um, there was a CLC shop in Chatham. They, they challenged us about mission there. And I heard about this peculiar mission called WEC through them. I was about 14 and they, they told us about WEC camps. So I started to go to WEC camps. I was a, a young Christian at that time, and um, I didn't come from a Christian home. It was in wet camp that I really was challenged about mission, because they not only taught Bible, but they taught mission. And I think you should think about going on one yourself. That's a side, all right? And then um, one year, I can remember I was really seeking God and saying, well, what do you want me to do? And they had banners in the main meeting tent. And one of the banners this that year well, the banner for that year was, have you the master's permission to stay at home? And that's how they challenged us, saying that Jesus had said, everybody, go into all the world and preach the gospel. And that was, did I have his permission to stay at home or was I told to go abroad? And so I began to think of it like that. And as I prayed and um, sought God, I can remember walking home one day from Sunday school. I've been teaching there. And I said, Lord, is this really you? Do you want me to stay at home or to go abroad? And the word came to me from Matthew, you know, Matthew 28, you know, go into all the world and preach the gospel. So that is how I got into mission. I think that's really, that's really important. Put like when you frame it like that. It puts the emphasis a lot more on what your calling is and not where you want to be. <laughs> um, it is important like to feel called to where you are if you're not going abroad as well as if you are. What was your role or on the day to day? What sorts of things were you involved with? I, before I went to Africa, I taught for five years. I taught nursery infant and I love teaching reading. So when I went out to Africa, my main role, God spoke to me and told me from Ephesians 4.12 that I was to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. My role was to be a teacher. And so that's really what I did. But it comes into about six or eight different roles, really. But it was mainly to teach the church. So more like discipleship orientated. Yeah. And and yes. And building up the church. I trained Sunday school teachers. We prepared the materials for them. I taught literacy, um, trained teachers and lobbies to teach others how to read. I did the reading primers. That's where my nursery infant training came in. I um, prepared teaching materials for the church, discipleship. I trained pastors and their wives for in the Bible school. And then I also um, used to go around and preach in the villages and visit pastors. So that was my role there. There we are. So you were going into a situation then where there were churches. Yes, they had the New Testament in their language 
Um, and that there were about six to eight churches when I got there. They had just and then they had just started to train their own pastors. So that's quite exciting. Then you were part you were sort of part of still quite an early stage movement in the sense of equipping people. And... Yes, yes, yes. The whole point is to make sure that the Africans take over. Can you tell us about a cultural difference then between Burkina Faso when you were there and the UK? I can remember one day I went to visit a pastor's wife on my mobilette and I was turning it round in the yard and I accidentally broke one of her clay pots. And... Um, I felt very bad about it and I apologise because they're poor. They really are poor. And, you know, even buying a clay pot was expensive for them. So the next time I went um, to the market, I, and I took somebody with me and I bought a clay pot for her and took it to her. And she was absolutely, oh, couldn't accept it. Really quite, not angry because she was Christian. But why, why, you know, and there's no need to do this. And then I found out that, with them, um, it meant that she then was in my debt and that and she had to pay me if ever she broke anything of mine. And so that was something that we hadn't realised that we needed to teach the Christians. You know, it's a minor thing. Did you face a lot of resistance? Well, I guess applying the Bible in those situations that you were able to see that maybe they couldn't because of it being a cultural thing? Or were Christians generally pretty accepting of you teaching things like that? I think by then the Christians were pretty accepting of teaching. Um, the biggest thing was the initiation. You know, the church leaders were quite quite strong, and they were able to to you know teach this. But it was it was a it was a real problem telling Christians that they shouldn't go to the initiation. And of course, Christians were beaten up and by the initiates when it came round and all that kind of thing. Yeah. What do you think you took back to the UK with you? I think the biggest thing was um, attitude to possessions, um, consumerism. I still struggle. I still struggle. And uh, that is a biblical thing, really, isn't it? That, you know, we're not to love yeah. things. And that, that was one real big thing that, mm -hmm. that I can make do with, with much less. Yeah. And I don't need it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. And that's a, I think that's a hard, it's a hard line to walk as a Christian between, because yeah. you also, you know, you want to use your blessings well, and God does bless us with things, <laughs> but also yes. without, without yeah. having that, without being greedy and, and um, doubting his provision and keeping the emphasis on God and not on the things themselves. It's like, it's like that push and pull, yeah. isn't it? You think, well, my people just didn't have that you yeah. know no it's hard yeah can you tell us about an an example of an answer to prayer during your time in mission well one, one miracle one for me was I needed a fridge when I got out there I had very little in the way of possessions of course when that first arrived the only um I, I was given my room it was in an old colonial house it didn't have any doors on, on the inside just archways and curtains and I had a bed a mosquito net, a chair and a table. I can remember that. And I needed to, you know, get my own furniture, but I needed a fridge. And so I actually, the Lord did provide and I had one sent out. But then it had to go through customs. I can remember I had um, 130 francs or something like that. And um, I needed to pay customs. And that's all I had in the way of money. My colleagues 
Dilwyn and Gerald, they said, well, we can, you can take this, Joe. And they gave me extra. And I remember going and thinking, what am I going to say if it's not enough? But anyway, I trust you, Lord. And the missionary came out and he, um, he said, yeah, yeah, you've got through customs. It's 130,000. And I thought he was going to say 130,000. And I, I thought, oh, gosh. And it wasn't. And I just had to pay the bare minimum. And that was a real answer to prayer because there I was stuck in the customs office with hardly any money. And I had this fridge that I needed to take out. And the Lord really, really provided in the sense that I didn't have to pay customs. Okay, the next one. Um, the Lobies, um, when somebody dies, they question the dead. There's a whole lot of rigmarole. I won't go into it now. But they carry the dead on their um, stretcher on the head of um, four men. And then they question, they, they carry the, you know, the body and they go and people question the body and the body answers yes or no. Um, it moves them, you know, so that they you know the answers. And we, we go out of respect. We don't go to the funerals, but we go out of respect, especially if it's somebody in the village. And um, I was standing there with uh, um, somebody that had just come out to visit and showing them what a lobby funeral was like. And they brought the dead body over to me to be questioned. Mm. And that was quite scary. But um, I just said, no, in the name of Jesus, I do not question the dead. And they looked at me and moved back and, and left. So that was an answer to prayer. I mean, I, I know that I just said in the name of Jesus, but it, it was, it was really demonic. Yeah. I mean, in, in the realm of yeah. demonic, there's been a lot of answer to prayer. I would say that's something that we're a lot more deep. Well, I don't know if that's the right word, desensitized. Yes. It's, we're not as familiar with that, but it's actually, you know, it does go on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the, devil, the devil blinds our eyes. Um, another, just another quick example. And um, when they had the initiation, um, I was going to visit a church um, way out in the bush. And the initiates were on the road. There were about a dozen of them. And um, they had their costumes on of cowrie shells and they, they had the right after they'd been initiated, their teeth are all fired to points. And um, they're, they're really full of, you know, themselves. And they were barring the road. And I had no choice. I had to keep going. So I just said, Lord, get me through. <laughs> so, you know, and then and got through. And, and that was an answer to prayer. It's those little things that, you know, Constant, constant protection and care. Yes, yeah, and, and learning, 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 yeah, to trust Jesus. Mm. What about if you could go back in time, what would you tell your 20-year-old self about mission? Well, about mission, I think I would tell myself that, you know, I would still go for it, but I would also say, humble yourself to walk with God and, and get to know Jesus in a very, very intimate way. That's really what I would say to myself. Um, but yeah, just learning to to humble yourself and you're nothing. And it's very difficult when you're out there because you're the white person. And sometimes, you know, it, the colonial thoughts are still there. And, yet, yeah. you know, you're just you're just nothing. And you're just sent by the master to help build the church up. So that's really mm -hmm. and I think I'm learning it now. <laughs> I've still not learned it. <laughs>
yeah, yeah, I think I think that's a life lesson, that one. <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah. And what advice would you give to a young person who's thinking about mission? I would say, pray like I did. Lord, do you want me to stay at home? And then follow on God's call and realise that it's, it can be challenging, but it can be tough and it can be lonely. You know, especially as a single person, it can be lonely. But it's so worthwhile and you prove God and you've got, you might not have any, a lot of things, but God is faithful. And yeah, yeah. I go for it, is yeah. what I would say. <laughs> but just find out, don't think, oh, I've got to stay at home and then I'm going to have a light from heaven and it's going to say go abroad. No, Lord, okay, I'm going abroad. Where do you want me? Mm. Here in Scotland, in England or where? You know, that's what I would say. Yeah, I, I really, I think that perspective is just key. It's really changed the way that I think I would talk about it with people. Mm. Just putting that emphasis on wherever you are, you want to know that's where God has put you. Mm. Not just because you were born here. Yeah. Are you to stay here? Mm-hmm. That's the thing. Yeah. Can I just ask you then, because you, you just mentioned it, how you found it being a single woman going out. Were there any specific challenges and were there any specific benefits? Oh, yeah, I I think I couldn't have done any of my roles, especially, you know, the teaching, going out, visiting pastors, getting to know them. I had to be the one that changed the gas bottle. I had to be the one that got my mobilette sorted and and I can put my hand to most things. But I missed home and I found it very, very difficult every time to go back. I have to be honest to go back to Africa, although I was pulled back there because I wanted to be there and help the people. And I I remember it used to take me about two weeks or more to settle back. So it is quite hard. Well, I found it hard anyway. And I'm quite happy being single. I have no problem in being single. But Jesus is sufficient. He is. Mm. And he never said it would be easy. Yeah. Thanks so much for, for sharing all your thoughts on that. And I've enjoyed our conversation. We hope you enjoyed Till the Whole World Hears. If you found this helpful, please write a review. We'd love to hear from you. If you would like to know more about WEC UK and Ireland, you can visit our website or follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Links are in the description. Join us next time to hear more about what living as a missionary is like. Thanks for sharing our podcast and blessings on your week. Goodbye.